Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, the crappy quiz, and a slight tangent. Get you going that little if you bit. Say to anger it. is a great ah, motivator. Yeah. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Off the Ball Daily. You're welcome along. We've got a brilliant show in store for you this afternoon. James Horan will be on duty for us at Salt Hill where it's knockout football between Galway and Mayo. We'll chat to him in advance of throw-in. It's a three o'clock throw-in. James Horn with us after two. Before that, this hour, Neil Ewing, former Sligo captain, is at Crow Park for a Talchon Cup doubleheader. It is semi-final day. We'll chat to Neil this hour about the weekend's GA at large. Fionn Davenport and Sinead O'Carroll will chat through the Sunday papers. That's coming your way from around half past two at four o'clock. Tommy Welch on... Life yet in Henry Shefflin's Galway, 53106, the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. John Duggan will be with us in just a moment. Arthur O'Dea here in studio. Hello on a Sunday, old friend. Hiya, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> oh, dear. It's great, great waking up this morning, coming in. I'd say you were thrilled to get that call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team player. So You are a team player. <laughs> it's like it's got to stand me in good stead somewhere. It won't. That's the worst part. <laughs> That's the worst part when the tap on the shoulder comes and you say, but think of the times I yeah. helped out on a Sunday. They'll yeah. say, listen, Arthur, that's ancient history now. Uh, you, of course, are a Monday to Friday soldier. That's it. You're filling in for Aiden here on this Sunday. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. You're it's producing right. the hell out of this show. It's all right. So, uh, well, as I mentioned, James Horn with us from Salt Hill. Neil Ewing, former uh, Sligo captain. Not enough Sligo people on the show, you'd say. That's two of this two this hour, Arthur. Yeah, it's hard to know. Between here and you've Kathleen and Otto AM. Oh, yeah. You don't have call on the sorry. news bulletins. Yeah, you're over We're pretty well represented. Yeah, <laughs> we do a good job of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, he's on the way. I know you watched a bit of tip Galway last night. We'll talk yeah. to Tommy Welch at uh, four o'clock. Never caught fire, really. I thought both sides really were aimless in the first half in possession quite a lot of the time. Galway, as it went on, started to find Conor Whelan with more frequency. He did the damage. Carl Barr taken off him. That doesn't happen too yeah. often. And then Tip were very flat as it went on, really flat. And um, they scored a goal which brought them back within touching distance, but it actually never felt like the game had caught fire. And in the end, Galway saw it out by two points. So I don't know, like Tipperary, such a strange season for them, whereby they started well in Munster and there was a sense, oh, they're going to do something. A lot of people's dark horses. Yeah. And you put the Waterford por- performance down to a sense of fatigue and tiredness. But now maybe we revisit that Waterford performance in light of last night uh, but life in Galway after their Leinster final heartbreak yeah, am great. I doing the game a disservice no I thought it was, te- I thought it was terrible to be honest with you I, I, like in, in so far as some of the standard of the games we've seen so far yeah. it was low lower quality for sure like and I think certainly coming up towards the end there's something like 25 wides between them that must have stretched closer to 30 and like this wasn't I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in Limerick, but like the conditions didn't look so unfavourable that this made sense. Just kind of a lot of pot shots, like a lot of maybe you know, and you know, maybe prone to underestimating the pressure people are undertaking those shots. But it was a lot of the time just shots drifting to the right and wide, which was odd. And I don't know, with Tipperary, it's strange because they did they really got out the gate quick and got that big win against Clare. Um, but then at the same time, I distinctly recall watching their game against Cork and thinking they really should have won that and didn't. Mm. And then they played Limerick and for most of that game at Limerick at two or three points away from them and then almost contrived to lose it. I mean, they had a last score to draw the game and then, I mean, yeah, lose to Waterford. The Offaly game is kind of meaningless 
and then here they never looked like they showed up and never they looked they didn't I the one thing is kind of and as much as I could possibly adjudicate on such things it didn't really look to me like they even had a plan I wasn't really sure what they were trying to do it was kind of that's why so many of those shots from range yeah. that it didn't it just either maybe Galway nullified it um, and fair play to them if that's the case but it really did not look like what Tipperary knew what they were there trying to do and even the goal you talk about that brought them back into it that was a good it was good pressure but it was a good degree of fortune to it like it, it shouldn't have it shouldn't have happened from a Galway perspective yeah for Galway I think just um, salvaging their season of touch was the aim of the game and so they're thrilled they're in an All-Ireland semi-final against Limerick in a fortnight that said and Joe Canning for instance made the point at full time as well Tipperary should have been nowhere near them Galway yeah. never put them away like they should have and that would be a concern for Galway uh, going into what will be obviously a very tricky day against uh, Limerick but it does like for Henry Shefflin it's the biggest win of his time huge yeah. Galway and it does it salvages the season uh, to a degree for them John Duggan is with us Joe and Arthur good afternoon are you at the beginning of a beard starting no it's just midlife crisis John fair enough <laughs> Well, it's a hell of a crisis. It's it's. Uh, I'm one of these lads. I've always been called a baby face and stubble, yeah. stubble like it probably takes about a year for me to grow stubble. So probably about like two weeks already now. <laughs> Whereas we you know it yourselves, the pair of you now, probably like half a day. Yeah, it's a curse, blessing and a curse. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's my Robinson Crusoe thing. Did you get a chance to watch the hurling? I did last night. I don't think the conditions helped at the Gaelic Grounds. Remember the Clare Limerick Munster final was in the most beautiful day in, of the year, but last night was tricky. Yeah, and it's it's just hard to get your head around it how a team can score seven goals and thirty eight points, and then a week later be as flat as Tipperary were yesterday. Very flat. That was it. But they didn't have like they only had three points from play at half time. It was crazy. Like, and I think Jason Ford had about four more from freeze. They had about seven, maybe. I could be wrong on that. But they only, I almost certainly only had three scores from play mm. at halftime yesterday, which is Galway weren't much better. But Galway like, really weren't. Like, there was a period midway through the first half where Galway just gifted possession several times over to Tipperary, and then Noel McGrath fire a wide from distance, and the same cycle would be rinsed, yeah. uh, washed, and repeated. It was just towards the end of that half they really started to find Connor Whelan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did a lot of damage. Like I said, Barrett was moved off him and they just stretched that bit in front and Tip never had the oomph to, to make a game of it. fair as well, it should be said. I mean, you don't know what way to put that down to Boris Shelley for Tiberian goals was brilliant. Yeah, made a great I mean, save. he made two or three that were kind of yeah. not not a given, but like it certainly helped. I think I think um, Liam Cal acknowledged as much in his post-match comments as well. Like they could have been out of sight, Galway. Surely well, should have been. We'll talk to Tommy Welch at uh, four o'clock about the weekend's hurling. John is here to bring us through the goings-on in the world. Would you believe John? He was in touch with me by WhatsApp last night. Arthur O'Dea <laughs> sat down last night to watch the US PGA. Your first ever time watching golf, was it? No, like I, no, I like I'll watch the big ones. I'll watch the big ones and the fact that. Well, I it was you, delighted. You and Hugh McIlvenny, that's. I, <laughs> I was delighted to turn on, and obviously see Leona McGuire was doing so. Now I think I checked the score before I turned it on because I wasn't sure what the time where we were in it, and I think at that stage she was seven under and the next down was four under. I think by the time I changed on, it gone to six and five. I was like, oh god. Uh, I also made the mistake of, for some reason, maybe because I'm not used to working these Sundays, I made the mistake of thinking it was Sunday, so I assumed this was the final day initially, until <laughs> I think someone finished, and then they said, oh, that'll send her into good stead tomorrow. It's like, tomorrow? You're not uh, curving yourself in glory here. But, uh, but then I was light when I came out, you see, and you see Stephanie Meadows there as well. Yeah. 
So, so like, you said swimming is a bit of a cod. Do you believe golf's a bit of a cod as well? <laughs> no, golf's amazing. Golf's unbelievable. You said swimming's a bit of a cod. There's too many medals. There's too many different categories. It's broken down into. Oh, I see. Where Michael Phelps has like whatever, 18, 20 odd medals. Categories. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Swimming itself is just not. You know, that's that's <laughs> fine. <I'm> gonna... <laughs> Nothing against swimming in water. No, golf's amazing. Golf's amazing. Do you think? Oh, really? I just. It's, there's no. It's it's just it's phenomenal. Every single like even you look at when they come to like. So especially, I suppose, when they have whatever they, they chip on and they're on the green and they have a one long putt that's almost like it, you're not expected to get it and you're like, oh, well, that's, that's now, just pat that, power that home. There's no problem whatsoever. It's like, that's still about like three, four feet away. And it's like it's oh, a very yeah. small hole. And it's, like every shot has so full of meaning that it's um, it's such an incredible demand. There is disaster lurking at every turn. Sorry, we're putting the um, cart before the horse here. What are we talking about here, John so Duggan? We'll, we'll give you the details and then we'll talk about the context, uh, folks. So Ireland has never had a female winner of a major golf title. Cavins Leona Maguire could change all that today. She brings a one-shot lead into the final round of the PGA Championship at Baltusrol in New Jersey. Maguire firing a two-under-par round of 69 last night, her third round in the 60s this week. She's seven-under-par. Jenny Shin of Korea is next on six under. And if Maguire doesn't do it, as Arthur referenced there, Antrim Stephanie Meadow might. So she lies in third on five under par. Thunderstorms are forecast. So Maguire and Meadow are in her three ball. They'll tee off in the final group with Shin just before 20 to four Irish time. Let's hear now from Stephanie Meadow about what a winning result today could mean for the island. I can't think of anything much better for Irish women's golf, um, which is incredible. Uh, we've been close. We've, I mean, we've known each other since... Oh, I mean, she was probably 10 and I was 13 or something like that. So um, it's been quite the journey together for both of us to make it. Um, obviously, it was, you know, I was there last week when she won. It was great to kind of share that moment with her. I know how hard she works. I mean, I know how hard everybody works out here. Um, but yeah, we're great friends and we stay, some, stay on the road together sometimes. So uh, it's just great for Irish golf. You have a particular favorite memory of the two of you growing up playing junior golf together or anything? Um, <laughs> there's lots. Um, I think, oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'll put it this way. I knew her when she was reading Harry Potter books, so that was a long time ago. <laughs> and for Leona, it's a case of one shot at a time. Yeah, I mean, obviously I feel good. My game's in good shape. And um, yeah, I mean, if, if you'd offered it to me last Sunday, I'd have, I'd have taken it. So um, my energy levels are good. I feel like we've we've executed our plan really well this week. And Tried not to think about it too much, and yeah, just just one more day of doing the same thing. Now we can talk about Gaelic games and rugby as amazing sports on this island, but neither are truly global sports. Of the top twenty, apart from Stephanie and Leona, there are eleven countries represented. This is one hundred and fifty-six players in this field this week. This is hard, and we have the first and the third going into the final round. It is a huge day. Yeah, huge. Like, we're such a brilliant golfing country, we almost don't give ourselves credit. At the US Open last week, three of the top 20 were from this island. So uh, no other country outside of America had that to its name. Japan, I think, had two, but we were there with three. You know, we really, it is an extraordinary um, a level that we seem to reach. Great golf courses. It's not in comparison with the States. I appreciate it still costs a lot of money to play, but it's not prohibitive in the way from a cost point of view it is in America it's utterly prohibitive there whereas uh, most golf uh, clubs around the country are full of the butcher the baker the candlestick maker and, and just normal people who love the sport and it's such a rich tradition uh, she has been brilliant she won last week obviously on the LPGA tour she looks very steely out there 
and, and that, it's almost that David Duval the glasses are on it's hard to get a sense of what's going on uh, through facial expressions or body language she doesn't give much away she's there with Dermot Byrne Shane Lowry's uh, recent caddy uh, she's in with a great chance I mean Leona was never the longest that was always her issue a big long beast of a course had come against her um, but she's managing this beautifully I mean in a way I was watching her at one point they were saying she had 163 yards into the green and they were saying it's a six iron hybrid I was thinking like for a male player that's a wedge um, so to navigate the course the way she does is almost doubly impressive in a kind of peculiar way you know um, because you, you don't have the power that the men can call on you have to use course management and your guile and your short game skills so look she's in with a great chance but um as we know in golf, unlike so many other sports, the clock isn't com- going to come and save you. You have to keep pulling the trigger to the very end and keep making those four footers and those five footers. And you miss a green, you got to get up and down. So um, I, the other great thing about golf is it's utterly un- unpredictable. Who knows? I was surfing the internet today and I found an RT TV archive clip called Talking Turkey from 2006 with Dustin the Turkey chatting to 11-year-old twins Leona and Lisa McGuire. Uh, reminding me of Rory McIlroy in the Kelly show <laughs> chipping the ball into the washing machine and most people don't realise the heights that Leona could today and that's fine but Leona is right now leading a major championship and this has always been in the stars in a way 135 weeks as the world amateur number one to go from 177th of the world at the end of 2020 to 12th right now to win twice to be in the top 10 in the Open and the US Open already to have that Solheim Cup rookie performance which that was a parade for yeah. like what's going to happen if she wins tonight and also it's worth mentioning her twin Lisa because Lisa's big part of her journey and support structure she said in the press conference she hadn't seen Lisa for a couple of months and she's there now to, to yesterday that's important Lisa yeah. was a very good amateur golfer in her own right so I think she's got a right support structure Patrick Harrington's been giving her tips in terms of her short game I think Seamus Power went down there after missing the cut at the Travellers Championship and as you say the mental strength is there the course management is there I just hope it doesn't turn into a Rory situation where she hits every fairway every green with a put stone drop and then somebody bypasses her and the way Stephanie Meadow was putting at the moment it could be her mm. and her journey is also fascinating she's 151st in the world Nine years ago, she turned pro. In her first major as a pro, she was third at the US Open at Pinehurst. Yeah. She's from Jordanstown up in Antrim. Then the following year, her father, Robert, sadly passed away to cancer. And then she had a stress fracture in her back and she lost her LPGA Tour card. So to get back to the LPGA Tour and to be now in contention to win a major, she only just got married. She took the GMAC route. So she went to the University of Alabama, was a top college golfer. And the beautiful thing about this, once again, is that Leona and Stephanie were Olympic teammates both in Rio and in Tokyo and they're now in the three ball in the final round of a major it's just a lovely story and hopefully we have got a fairy tale ending it's all free by the way on YouTube so it will be uh, streamed live all four rounds have been streamed live on YouTube as is often the case with the uh, female majors so um, even if you're not a Sky subscriber you'll be able to watch it so you said they're going off early four half yeah four. 20 to four because thunderstorms are forecast okay but New Jersey well we wish her well it'd be an amazing Achievement. The talent is very, very deep in um, female golf. So it'd be an extraordinary achievement. The um, PGA Tour continuing. Rory and Shane Larry were sort of in the mix for a time. They've fallen back, really. I don't really care what they're doing. 
It's, it's just it's it's that stage now. I couldn't care less what they're doing at the Travers. In isolation, just clip that, please. Yeah, fifteenth is Rory, twelve under par, nine shots behind the leader, Keegan Bradley of the United States, uh, Shane Larry, eight under. Yas uh, Lauschen has got a three shot lead going into the final round now of the BMW International Open in Munich. But for once again, it's such a big thing in America. I was watching the. I think they're, they're showing the NBC telecast on Sky, and it's so the presentation is so beautifully slick, and it's like. The, 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 this is the kind of thing that would get Leona Maguire on The Tonight Show. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's really big, this. It's really big. No, it is. It is. Um, when did you realise it was Sunday, by the way? That's just <laughs> my mind. Uh, no, I swear to God, it was only when they, when they said about that standard was dead going into tomorrow. Okay. But you, knew, <laughs> you knew you were in work today. I knew I was in work. I just, I, for some reason, it didn't click. I don't know why. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so uh, that's the golf this evening. The GA situation, I'm sure people have seen the events of yesterday you might bring us up to speed all the same yes well Cork beat Ross Common by a point when you were thinking about it going into yesterday you might have expected Monaghan to beat Kildare as a Division 1 team you might have expected Tyrone to beat Donegal as a Division 1 team but in a way given Cork's results against Louth and Kerry which they lost and then beating Mayo it wasn't that much of a surprise at home that they beat Ross Common by a point which they did with Kevin O'Donovan's last minute score 114 to 16 points it was a more comfortable win for Tyrone against Donegal. Monaghan had a point win over Kildare. So the draw would be fascinating tomorrow, mm. half eight in the morning. And now we're into this crazy situation that Galway or Mayo, one of them is out of the championship today. I know. Pierce Stadium at three o'clock throwing. That's the thing. We're talking to um, James Horn. He'll be with us in the build-up to that game. I guess the last time Galway and Mayo played each other in a knockout game of Gaelic football was his era. They might have met further down the line at Crow Park, but Salt Hill... Yeah. knockout football so um, it's such a, I mean this weekend is such a, a, a welcome uh, we're now into the <laughs> yeah. we're now into the great month of Gaelic Games after yes. all the phony war and shadow boxing we're now into the really good stuff there are only what three more hurling matches Arthur that's it two weekends that's going to be it I remember last year I had such fun at the, I call it the circus the last three weeks I had such fun Kerry Dublin um Limerick Kilkenny and then Galway Kerry had such fun so much so that I was getting a horse and carriage to Croke Park because I was late from a taxi on an all Ireland final day it cost me 80 bucks to get up to Summerhill it was only for you this 53106 and 1992 was the last time Galway and Mayo drew in a championship match is it really? God. to me it's in the stars that they're, they're, this is going to extra time I mean it's, it's a difficult game to call I, I couldn't say I feel that strongly Either way, I know Galway have been, well, there have been people's sort of favourites for the All-Ireland, but there's been a degree of, oh, God, no one really sticking out. Galway haven't done much wrong. Maybe Galway. It's been that kind of a favouritism. And like, Mayo will bring the carnage, you would think. So, I don't know. I, 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 it's hard Not to call. A clue. If um, Kelly is out, which he seems to be, it looks like Comer will be fit. That's a major blow to Galway. I know Mayo's game management was appalling last week at, Porky Queef, but equally Galway shouldn't have been in the position they were in against Armagh so they're far from the finished article Shane Walsh has not caught fire yet this year the way um, we're not getting the All-Ireland final version of Walsh so uh, I don't know I'm curious to see what James Horne says after uh, two but I don't feel strongly either way No it's very very like it is kind of completely unknown there's arguments just for and against everyone but I you do, yeah, it's funny that it is kind of it guarantees who Whichever side progresses, nothing really in terms of they still won't see their years of success, but for whomever leaves out, it is a disaster. 
It's like an absolute disaster, especially for Galway if they were to do it now. Like, they cruise through Connacht. I know that doesn't really have much bearing, but, like, they bear us common comfortably enough. Yeah. And then, obviously, Sligo. And then, um, God, for it to end like this here against Mayo. I feel Mayo, that Mayo are, <laughs> worse has happened to Mayo. <laughs> like, they're fine. They're fine. But this, would be, this would be disastrous. And it's funny, we had Morris Brosnan on from the Examiner on Friday talking about it. And he's obviously from Galway himself. But he was just kind of talking about how much Joyce despises Mayo. Maybe not despise, but certainly it's a rivalry that it means an awful, awful lot to him. Okay. So I'd say that they, um, there's definitely a feeling on their behalf that they can't even countenance what this would mean to lose like this at home at this stage it's so early still like they really are like you're still yeah even though we are through to the thick of it we are still there's still three big weekends left yeah and to be gone before that well you don't lose any round that is prefaced by the word preliminary no you don't uh Talton Cup should have been taking centre stage today <laughs> uh, so two matches semi-final double header Yes, uh, and Andy McEntee is the story really today, isn't he? Yeah. With Antrim going to face his former county Meath at two o'clock at Croke Park. Then the four o'clock down versus Leash. Two, I would say, very astute coaches in Conor Laverty and Billy Sheen. I think that I'm, I'm, I'm sunny about the Talton Cup. I think Westmead's performance this year has shown what it, what it has been. And Colm has been able to experiment and I do feel that the competition has a sheen that is much more bright than the Tommy Murphy Cup was 15, yeah. 16 years ago. Yeah, I think it, it, in Westmead and Cavan, it had a very good first showcasing. And I think first impressions are important with yes. these competitions. And that has bled into season two. We have the brilliant story about Monon's Miners yesterday for the first time since 1939 reaching the All-Ireland Final to be carried by three points in Tullamore. They await the winners of the Dublin Derry game which throws in at the Atlantic Grounds at half five. We also have ladies football today. Waterford and Meath meeting in group two at Fraher Field from half one. Cavan versus Dublin at Breffney Park in group three at two. Also at two Tipperary and Galway going into battle in group four in Temple Tui. And Armagh taking on Mayo in group one at the Atlantic Grounds from 3.30. Just as worth a mention as well, Jason Quigley Friend of Off the Ball was fighting overnight in New York, lost on points to unbeaten Edgar Berlanga in their super middleweight bout. Okay, it's a pity. So, um, might catch up with Jason the next couple of days, get his thoughts on it. Uh, fellas, thank you very much, John. All right. Appreciate Joe it. and Arthur. So, the plan today is that James Horn will join us after uh, two o'clock from Salt Hill. We have Fionn Davenport and Sinead O'Carroll reviewing the Sunday papers as well. That's from about half past two. Tommy Welch will talk hurling after four. And up next, uh, Neil Ewing, former Sligo captain, is at Crow Park. We'll talk to him about the Italian Cup doubleheader and about the weekend at large. Back in one second.